0: when we find ourselves in a tight spot, a difficult situation, a place where we really don't want to be, the question we ask is, how long, oh Lord, how long? Have you ever asked God that question when you're doing it tough? Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thanks so much for joining me again on Christianity Works as we kick off a new series of messages that I've called, I know this is going to surprise you, How Long, O Lord, How Long? And we're going to dive straight into God's Word today to discover what the blazes God is up to when He keeps us in those difficult places way, way, way longer than we'd really like to be there. And look, stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about a free booklet that I'd love to send you that's called, When Will God Finally Show Up? Have you ever been in a place, a tight spot, a difficult spot, things aren't going right, things just aren't fair, it's it's ugly, it's painful, it's uncomfortable, and you think to yourself, God, what is going on here? What are you doing? Why are you letting this happen? Why is this so unfair? Chances are we've all been in that place. Sometimes it seems like God lets things go on forever. Things that just aren't right. Things that are so unfair. And it's easy to start thinking, well God, why are you letting this go on? I mean, you could step in any time and act. You can end this injustice. You can end this pain. You can do whatever you like. I come and ask you day after day. I pour my heart out to you. You're supposed to be God, a God of love and justice, aren't you? Isn't that the whole point? Isn't that who you are? Today we're kicking off a series called How Long, O Lord, How Long? Something we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. How long, O Lord, How Long? Think back to your past, you to yours, me to mine. We think back to times where injustice has plagued our lives. For me, it was a time of deep betrayal. And it seemed to me at the time that those who betrayed me came out on top. It was a time in my life where I went to God, often through tears and in deep pain, and asked him those two questions, why and how long? What about you? What do you see in your past, maybe even in your present, maybe even as you look forward to the future? Such as it is, what do you see that causes you to ask those questions? God, why? Why? And how long? I'm always so conscious when I sit here and share these things with you. Well, you might be listening to this program in a place that's safe, perhaps uncomfortable, perhaps not quite where you'd like to be right now, but in the scheme of things, safe. And the next person, that person could literally be in an incredibly dangerous place, in a refugee camp where children are dying of AIDS, in a jungle fleeing from soldiers or rebels, in a village. Should I stay? Should I go? For every person that's sitting today listening to this program in the relatively wealthy, relatively safe comfort of a middle-class home in in a country like Australia or, or England or the US, for every one of those, there are thousands and tens of thousands listening to this program in their places of poverty, injustice, war and oppression. That's the reality. So when we talk about those questions, why and how long, for many, many people listening today... These are questions which are matters of life and death. That's why these are such important questions, and that's why we're going on a journey these next few weeks on the program, a journey to discover what God is up to when we ask questions of Him. Because when we're in that place where we cry out, God, why and how long? When we're in that place, we feel incredibly alone. But it turns out we're not. I want to introduce you today to a man called Habakkuk. He's an Old Testament prophet. Okay, it might be a weird name, but let's get used to it. Habakkuk. He was exactly, exactly in this place. In fact, we're going to be looking at the discussion that he had with God from that very place today, this week and the next few weeks on the program. And as I've sat and read this conversation, this, this ping-pong match between Habakkuk and God, I've been really amazed, amazed at two things. Firstly, how Habakkuk learned and grew and found himself in a completely different frame of mind as a result of his discussion with God. And secondly, how amazing God's plans were. How big, how sweeping, how surprising God's plans were compared to Habakkuk's narrow human perspective. Today I want to share with you just, just the cry of Habakkuk's heart. This is just one man crying out to God. Have a listen. If you've got a Bible, grab it. Open it up at Habakkuk towards the end of the Old Testament. Chapter 1, we're looking at verses 1 to 4. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not listen? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. The oracle that Habakkuk saw it literally means the burden, the load on his heart. Habakkuk came to God with a heavy heart. That's what this short book towards the end of the Old Testament is Habakkuk pouring out the burden of his heart to God. What's the burden? Well, God, you haven't been answering my prayer. How long will I cry out to you for help? Where are you? What are you doing? Look at what's going on around here. I've been telling you about this violence, crying out to you, and you don't do a thing. There's wrongdoing and trouble and destruction and violence and strife and contention. This is all the stuff that's going on in the nation of Israel back when Habakkuk is writing in the late 7th century B.C., God's chosen people are doing all this stuff. And the one thing that's meant to prevent it, God's law, God's system of justice, even that law has become slack and blunted. The unrighteous people outnumber the righteous. They surround them. There's no justice. Judgment is perverted. It's pretty bad stuff. It's hard to imagine a less desirable combination of circumstances than wrongdoing and trouble and and destruction and violence and strife and contention, and on top of that, on top of everything, injustice. Now we're going to have a look at how God deals with this, how he answers Habakkuk's questions after the break, but right now I just want to rest a moment in Habakkuk's burden, the burden of this man's heart, the cry of his soul to God. It's easy to imagine that that when we front up to God, we have to put on our Sunday bests and make sure that we have our act together and, and be strong and confident in a man or woman of great faith. But here it is in the Old Testament, in the Bible, one of God's prophets crying out from his despair to God, sharing with God the deepest burdens of his heart. Look, God, look at what's going on here amongst your people. How long, oh Lord, how long will you let this go on? And, and why are you allowing this to happen? And as we're going to see today and over the next few weeks on the program, the cry of this man's heart opened him up to a journey of discovery with God. He didn't necessarily discover the things he wanted to discover. God is not going to dance to our tune, but by the end of it all, Habakkuk was a changed man, a profoundly changed man, a man singing God's praises, even though none of the circumstances around him had changed at all. It happened because he poured his heart out to God and then dared to listen to what God had to say. I wonder I wonder if there's not something in that for you and for me. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. I just want to take a moment during this short break to share something truly important with you. In those dark times, in those difficult times, in those times when God seems to have left you to fend for yourself, He is, in point of fact, doing a mighty work in your life. And it's in those times that it's so important to see what's going on through His eyes. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet called When Will God Finally Show Up? It's full of life-changing practical Bible teaching to encourage you through those difficult times. In fact, each chapter contains a series of life application questions to help you think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our mobile-friendly website ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on one 722 415 and I'll send your free copy of that booklet straight out to you in the post. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on one 722 415 Now sometimes we go to God with life's problems, you know, the doubts or the injustices or the hurts. We take those to God and we ask for his help. And so often he responds in ways that not only would we never have dreamed of, but in ways that, well, frankly, we'd rather he hadn't. Every generation looks at their parents and wonders, why do they do that? Do you remember as a kid, you'd want to have fun and play, but your parents had different plans. Maybe it was time to set the table or to do the homework or or to go inside and have a bath. (laughs) seems that parents think so differently and act so differently to children. And often when you're a child, it it just doesn't make sense. When you're a child, it seems that that your parents, well, they're there to stop us from having fun. And then, then your kid brother does something to you, pokes you in the eye or something, so, so you whack him back. And all they see is you hitting him back and you get punished instead of that little brat kid brother of yours. You're with me, right? When we look at things through the eyes of a child, they look so different from how they appear through the eyes of a parent. And it's not until we do the growing up that we figure it out. In fact, when we've become parents ourselves, we can look back on some of those things our parents did, the the kind of things that offended us when we were kids, and we can see exactly why they did what they did. It all makes sense now, when we grow up and understand where they were coming from. Habakkuk had this problem as we saw before the break. It's hard to imagine a less desirable set of circumstances than wrongdoing, trouble, destruction, violence, strife, contention and injustice. But what God had to say may shock you. It it certainly shocked poor old Habakkuk. And yet there's something really important in this for you and me here and now. Have a listen to what God's response was to Habakkuk's complaint. You can pick it up in Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. Look at the nations and see, says God, be astonished, be astounded, for a work is being done in your days that you would not believe if I told you. For I am rousing the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous nation, who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. In other words, God is going to unleash the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. He might have well said to Habakkuk, Hitler's third Reich. That was the effect of it. Now have a look how God goes on to describe them, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 1. Dread and fearsome they are. Their justice and dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more menacing than wolves at dusk. Their horses charge. Their horsemen come from far away. They fly like an eagle swift to devour. They all come for violence with faces pressing forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and of rulers they make sport. They laugh at every fortress and heap up the earth to take it. Then they sweep by like the wind. They transgress and become guilty. Their own might is their God. Now admittedly, things amongst God's own chosen people were pretty ugly. They were. And interestingly, God has no dispute with anything that Habakkuk has to say about God's own people. God doesn't turn around to Habakkuk and say, Well, no, Habakkuk, you know, you're you're being a bit hard. You're being a bit emotional. Pull yourself together, man. No. Clearly, God agrees with Habakkuk. That's great. God sees the injustices even more clearly than Habakkuk does. But look at how he responds. Be astonished, be astounded. You're not going to believe this, for I am rousing the Chaldeans, that fierce and impetuous nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. God is promising a holocaust. I don't use that word lightly, I use it very deliberately, the Chaldeans had risen rapidly to become the dominant world power and God promises to use them as a sweeping arm of judgment against his own people because of the strife and injustice and violence being perpetrated by them. Now, would you expect God to do that? No, me neither. See, I would expect him to step in and slap the bad guys across the wrist, even deal with them severely, and then to bring peace and rest. You'll notice that I rather conveniently number myself amongst the righteous rather than amongst the unrighteous. I suspect we all do. What Habakkuk discovers here is that God's thoughts aren't his thoughts. God's ways aren't his ways. This loving God promises an horrific judgment, dread and fearsome and horses swifter than leopards and eagles that devour and it's awful. You know something? There's something in this for you and me. We're the little people. We're the people who so often are impacted by forces of injustice and oppression that seem overwhelmingly greater than anything we can ever deal with. That's what was happening for Habakkuk. And when we're in the middle of that mess, suffering the pain of injustice, it feels as though not even God can do anything. Well, it is time to think again, because God is an awesome and mighty God, and he hates injustice and violence and unrighteousness and oppression. He hates that more than you and I could ever do. And that's why this God of infinite love is also a God of judgment. For a long time, that never made sense to me. But the fact that he loves us so much, so much, is the reason that his judgment against those who rebel against him and harm those whom he loves, it's the reason that his judgment is so awful. Whatever injustice is going on in this world, whatever violence, oppression, evil, whatever it is, wherever it is, however it's being perpetrated, it will not go unpunished by God. God sees it. He aches for those who are being impacted by it, and one day he will absolutely bring his unique brand of justice and righteousness and holiness to bear on it. He will. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to encourage you and to help you live in victory on your journey with Christ. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional. A scripture verse with some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or, if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free. To get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh, stop by our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or, if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on one 722 415 to request the printed version of Fresh. It's completely up to you. That's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes the things that God does, the things that He says, the things that seem to be in His will, just don't make sense to me. And so what I want to do is to find out from God what he's really up to here. You know something, there's this one thing about God I wish I could change, just one thing, I wish I could make him see things my way, not every day, just once in a while. You know, when I'm in a difficult situation, I have a plan of how to get out of it. And my plan is always a good one. I draw a straight line from where I am to where I want to be, the most direct route, the quickest path from A to B, and my plan is for me to travel that path in the blink of an eye. It's a pretty good plan, don't you think? I mean, hey, it doesn't get any better than that. But can I tell you how rarely, how very rarely it happens that way? It seems to me that God's plan is always this this convoluted journey over hill and dale through deserts and storms and one step forward and three steps back. And God's plan is so rarely my plan. God's way is so rarely my way. And hopefully you've gathered by now that I'm being just a little tongue-in-cheek about myself. But wouldn't it be nice if just now and then God's plans were like ours? Just now and then, from A to B by the shortest possible path. Now Habakkuk's been crying out to God about violence and injustice in his land amongst God's chosen people. He's crying out, unloading the burden of his heart. Finally, God answers him. But Habakkuk definitely doesn't get the answer he was looking for. Well, needless to say, old Habakkuk heres he's got a bit of a problem. He's bawling his eyes out before God. And instead of God giving him what he wanted, the shortest, most convenient route from A to B, God promises something completely different. So shocking, so fearsome, that the first thing that God says is designed to cushion the blow of what's about to come next. Look at the nations and see. Be astonished, be astounded, for a work is being done in your days that you would not believe if you were told. And so... Habakkuk responds to God with his concerns. Have a listen to what he has to say to God when this stunning plan of a holocaust on God's people through the Chaldeans is set out by God. This is, this is what Habakkuk says, Are you not from of old, O Lord my God, my Holy One? You shall not die. O Lord, you have marked them for judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for punishment. Your eyes are too pure to behold evil. You cannot look on wrongdoing. Why do you look on the treacherous and are silent when the wicked swallow those more righteous than they? In other words, Habakkuk is saying, "Did um, you just just hang on a minute, God? I I just want to remind you of something. You're God." Remember? You're the holy one. You're holy. That's spelled H-O-L-Y. That means you can't use the Chaldeans. You've marked them for judgment and punishment because they're not your chosen people. Your eyes are too pure to look upon evil. You can't let these evil people bring greater evil upon your own people. You can't let these treacherous Chaldeans swallow us up. You just can't stand by and let that happen. No, 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 no. This is not a very good plan here, God. It, it's nice that you agree with me that something's got to be done, but just hang on here and let's sit down and talk about this and rethink this plan of yours. That's what old Habakkuk is saying. And he goes on to drive his point home with God, beginning in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 14. He says, You have made people like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. The enemy brings all of them up with a hook, he drags them out with his net, he gathers them in his seine, and he rejoices and exalts. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his seine, for by them his portion is lavish and his food is rich. Is he then going to keep on emptying his net and destroying nations without mercy? This is going to be upon your head, God, Habakkuk saying. You have made us people like the fish of the sea and like crawling things with no ruler. We're supposed to be your people made in your image and then you scoop us up in a net and just destroy us? What kind of a plan is that, God? We're, We're your chosen people, remember? Of course, that's what ends up happening. A few years later, exactly that happens. The Chaldeans come and destroy Jerusalem and take God's people into captivity, into slavery for 70 years in Babylon. Let me ask you, what do you make of this? this God who's supposed to be a God of love and of mercy, wreaking this awful, awesome judgment on his very own people, who, who, yes, have turned their backs on him. Yes, they're doing violent, horrible, unjust, contentious things. Absolutely. But this, this God, what do you make of this sort of God? Because this is the very sort of God that the Bible is teaching about. Not some nice little tame lamb, but a ferocious lion about to tear his people down and bring them low. What do you make of this, God? Well, I have to tell you up front. I I was kind of with Habakkuk here. I I think Habakkuk has a point, don't you? Well, next week on the program, we're going to look at God's response. And one of the interesting things is how Habakkuk grows over this time of conversation with God. But there's a point here that can't be dressed up. I can't sweep it under the carpet for you, even though you'd like me to. And that point is this. God is sovereign and mighty and powerful, and he does what he decides to do. I can't tell you why he does things the way he does, why he doesn't fly us from point A to point B in a soft, air-conditioned, first-class comfort each time. But he doesn't. And we can either fight that or go with that. Next week we're going to see how Habakkuk turns around and comes to understand what God is on about here. And I'm really looking forward to sharing Habakkuk's journey with you over these next few weeks. A journey of growth in peace and understanding as he talks with God, this God who reveals who he is and what his plans are, even though... They're not the plans of men. They're not Habakkuk's plans. And those plans, whether we like it or not, more often than not, look nothing like the plans we have. I love the fact that Habakkuk was able to come and unburden his soul before God, that God spoke to him of an awesome, mighty judgment, and that God then takes Habakkuk on a journey and a dialogue which grows this man to the point where nothing has changed in the circumstances and yet the praise of God is on his lips I've got to tell you, God wants to do that with you and with me Well that's pretty much all we have time for today but before I go, there's something very important that I need to share with you this program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries around the world to draw ever closer to Jesus and to live in the victory that He purchased for them on that cross. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach over two and a half thousand people with a gospel message. So, a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 85,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online, by visiting our mobile-friendly website, ChristianityWorks.com, or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called, When Will God Finally Show Up? Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll free on 1-300-722-415. Thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. And I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.